0: Thinking of buying a house this year? Today we'll go over the tips you need to know so you can find and buy a house you love that's still affordable. Welcome to Simplify and Enjoy, the podcast and community focused on helping families have less stress and more options through minimalism and financial independence. I'm your host El Martinez. This podcast is sponsored by Coastal Credit Union. Coastal's mission is to help you live a better life by offering you a better way to bank. Find out how at bankbetter.org. Right now, with the national median listing price in December being $340,000, chances are buying a house is going to be the biggest purchase a family typically makes. Depending on where you live, it can also be a hot seller's market, making it even more difficult to find a place that you love. That's why it's so important to go in prepared, not just financially, but with an understanding of what home ownership truly looks like. Certified financial planner and accredited financial counselor, Adam Hagerman is here to help sort through these things, including the whole rent versus buy debate. Before you start house hunting, you want to make sure that this is the best move for you and your family. In this episode, we're going to get into exactly how the home buying process works, what you need to do to prepare your finances, looking for the right home, finding the best mortgage, and taking things to closing. We'll also go over the bad advice that people give about buying a house so that you can understand what's the truth and what's wrong. And then we'll discuss what you truly need to focus on when you're buying a house so that you'll be happy and not house poor. We got a lot to cover, so let's get started. If you're a first-time homebuyer or it's been a while since you bought a place, I want to give a quick refresh of the overall process. Making such a big purchase, having a general roadmap can make things a lot easier to navigate and help you approach it bit by bit instead of getting overwhelmed or stressed out. I broke it up into three different chunks. Before you start searching for the house, the house hunt, and then getting to closing. So even before you try to find an agent or you look at lenders, you have to prepare. The first step, of course, is preparing your finances. That means looking at your budget and start building up your savings, both with the down payment and for closing costs, which is sometimes forgotten when you're a first time home buyer and you realize it's quite a bit of money. While you're building up your savings, you wanna go ahead and review your credit report and make sure that your credit score is in a good position. In general, the higher your score, typically you're going to be getting a lower interest rate. Happening at the same time is you're going to do some preparation. Sit down and figure out what are the priorities for your house. What type of house are you looking for? Are you going for a single family, condo, or townhouse? What size would make you most comfortable? What distance from work or if you have a kid's school do you want to be? and with the yard, how big or even if you want to have a yard. These are things that you want to discuss ahead of time so you can have an idea of what to expect to pay and save up accordingly. While you're looking at the house, start researching the neighborhoods. We have an entire episode where I interviewed Luis Guillama. He breaks down how to go about your house hunt and find these neighborhoods that are hidden gems where you can check off a lot of things on your list and yet still keep it in your budget. I'll include a link to that in the show notes. The next phase in the process is the most exciting and can feel a little chaotic, which is the house hunt. First of all, you wanna make sure, again, having those finances squared away, shop around, not just for your lender, but make sure that you have the right mortgage. There are different mortgage options, so you wanna weigh the pros and cons And make sure that you're comfortable with the monthly payment. Your lender, of course, will give you their rates and their numbers, but you want to do the homework yourself first. And then find the right real estate agent. Ask for recommendations, interview agents, see how knowledgeable they are about the area and how effective they are. And I just want to also clarify with your mortgage, you want to get pre-approved versus getting pre-qualified. You want to get pre-approved because that is the lender going over your numbers and telling you how much you qualify for with borrowing versus a pre-qualification just gives you an estimate. With those pieces in place, you can now go house hunting, feeling comfortable with your finances in a good spot as you're going through the homes and taking these tours, you'll start noticing that certain things on your list will get adjusted. Maybe certain priorities that you felt were must-haves move down on a list and vice versa where something that you thought, well, wasn't such a big deal. Being in that space, you realize that it is very important to you. All right, now you've found the house that you want to buy and you put in an offer. This can vary whether it's a buyer's or seller's market. You may include contingencies with your offer, meaning certain things have to be fulfilled. When you make this offer, you're also gonna be putting some money up front. It's known as earnest money deposit. The point of this is to show the seller that you're being serious. This money is gonna be held in the escrow account and it does count towards your down payment and closing costs. So let's say the seller has accepted, where do you go from here? You have the home inspection and the appraisal. While they cost money, home inspections are great because they can identify potential major repairs or renovations that require your attention and yes money. Depending on the situation, you may be able to negotiate on price based on what the home inspection found. If you're getting a mortgage, your lender will want an appraisal to make sure that the house is worth what you're paying. Having an agent here at this step is definitely helpful because there's a lot of paperwork going back and forth. You also have things moving in the background like checking the property title, making sure that everything is squared away. Then you get to closing. Before you sign off on a ton of paperwork, you and your agent will do a final walkthrough to make sure any repairs that you had discussed were done. A few days before you actually sit down at closing, you should have gotten a closing disclosure from your lender so you know what to expect and how much needs to be there at closing. Yes, there is a lot of documents when you get there, but don't rush, your team will help you and explain everything step-by-step. Finally, you're moving into your new place. Congratulations. Hopefully you have found a house that you love that's well within your budget. I'm excited to have you talk about one of those big wins families can have if they get it right, which is buying a house and finding a house that they love and that they can afford. I am looking forward to chatting with you, getting your expertise on the smart way to do this.
1: Yeah, happy to give as much help as I can, yeah.
0: You're coming at this from the, the lens of a financial planner. I bring this up because sometimes people don't understand especially now when you get so much free advice and there's different communities and many of them are helpful, but the difference between like us, we're going to just have a conversation about the big ideas, but with a financial planner, they can get someone who can work with them with their particular needs. You've gotten educated on the ins and outs of finances. Like you cover a lot of different topics compared to perhaps a more typical personal financial blogger.
1: Yeah, we can certainly talk about a lot of other topics that are out there. It's kind of like medicine in a way. I always say I'm practicing financial planning and financial education just because there are definitely topics that I learned about a long time ago that I had to pass exams to get credentialed and all that kind of stuff. And I haven't talked about them in eight years. And I'll be the first to tell somebody, too, that I'm not comfortable talking about those types of things. There are many others out there that can help with those with those topics and provide much better recommendations than than I can. So I'm not somebody to to tell them exactly what they need to do just so I look smart.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Well, I think we're all looking for good advice, especially with this topic, which is buying a house because for most families, this is the biggest purchase that they're going to make. This is a commitment. There's more to just what you see with your mortgage payment. So I want to jump in with that because when you were looking for a house, everybody has an opinion about Buying one, like the best way to to find a deal, the the tax breaks, you know how it's you know going to make you some money. But I want to demystify just a few of these. I wrote down a couple, but if you heard any really good ones, please share them with me. Which is how true is this, or is this is something that you can just completely ignore? The first one I've heard when people are deciding if, first of all, buying a house is right for them, is renting is basically throwing away your money. Yes. so so first I'll
1: say most people that talk to you about buying a home are saying you should definitely buy a home. I think most people are trying to justify their own decision, right? We all want to make sure that we do things right ourselves and we're not doing the wrong thing. So if we can kind of get other people to follow along with what we've done, maybe some what we may consider mistakes in our life, we feel much better about our decisions. So I think that's where a lot of these myths come from, too, or these opinions that people have. We're just trying to to justify our own decisions in life. We all want to do what's best for us. Uh, and again, if we get other people along for the ride, then, hey, we'll feel better about our decisions. But, you know, getting back to the renting is, is throwing your money away. Oh, man, I hear that one all the time. All the A lot of one-on-one appointments that I get are people that want to, you know, oh, I want to buy a home in the future because, you know, it, this rent's on my budget and I'm just, uh, just wasting this money. It's, it's going nowhere i'm not building any equity and you know i don't i don't really agree with the statement renting is throwing your money away because you're not really no, you're paying for a roof over your head it's not like you're paying a thousand dollars a month for rent and giving it to a company and then they say oh here's your cardboard box you're still out on the street right you've got a roof over your head yeah. you've got shelter and protection and all that kind of stuff so you know that is a big benefit of it We can kind of compare renting it's throwing your money away to, to food, too. I mean, isn't food really throwing your money away, too, right? You think about it, you eat it, and mm-hmm. you dispose of it later. I know that's kind of gross to think about, but you know, it's kind of the same <laughs> yeah. thing, right? You're kind of wasting money that way, too. So it provides a roof over your head. It provides flexibility. Homeownership is definitely a more permanent decision. It's not easy to kind of pick up and go if you're a homeowner, right? You got to then make a decision of, oh, do I want to rent this place out then? And that's not always the best decision or i gotta sell it now it's going to take me a couple months to unload this thing am i going to lose money do i gotta get rid of it quickly so renting provides flexibility it's really easy to just say you know what i don't want to live in this neighborhood anymore i'm going to go so you can you know you might have to pay a little bit of money to break a lease if you're under a lease but that's probably not that expensive in the grand scheme of things compared to getting you know un- unloading a home that you purchase renting also you know, a big benefit, we kind of already alluded to it, is little to no maintenance cost and maintenance effort. You're free to use your time for other things. You're not outside raking leaves. You and I just made a comment before we hopped on here, like we've we've got these huge trees in our neighborhood. You've got huge trees in your neighborhood and they just unload stuff every single day of the year. And you're always like five steps behind keeping up with all this stuff. The biggest mistake a lot of people make too, is that stuff goes out of style over time. Your kitchen may not need new things in it because stuff has, hasn't broken, but things were different in the 90s than they are today. Mm-hmm. Aesthetics are different. What, what they like uh, to look at is different. So that little to no maintenance cost, that idea of renting something, and if something breaks, you just call somebody up and they come out and they fix it and they pay for it. Oh, man, I wish I was living in that world right now sometimes. <laughs>
0: Yeah, I know for us, we're really happy we bought our home, but I think it's important to come with it with clear eyes. A lot of personal financial decisions, you have to run the numbers and you have to weigh the pros and cons, especially when you're talking about with maintenance. You know, for some people, they're like, I just, I don't have the time. I don't have the energy. And so they may lean more, even if the numbers line up for them to buy a house, they may decide, you know what, I would feel more comfortable renting. I like that flexibility. I like not having to worry about maintenance. I I love talking to you about this because we're gonna be looking both at the numbers, of course, but then also mentally, is this something that you really want to do? Is it the best move for you and your family? I wanna go into the next one, which I've seen this over and over again. Is if you can afford rent, you can afford a mortgage.
1: That comes right in the same topic Mm -hmm. of renting as throwing your money away. I mean I, I did a calculator online. My mortgage payment is going to be the same as what I'm paying in rent. And then I'm going to start making equity. So I'm going to be like making money in this transaction. It's like, you know, investing in the stock market or something here. Yeah, it's just, it's not that simple. It's not as simple to say, oh, my mortgage payment's equal to or less than what I'm paying a mm-hmm. rent. It's, it's going to be gangbusters for me here. It's technically true when you think about, okay, yeah, the mortgage is equal or less to rent, but you're not thinking about all those other expenses that come with it. Yeah. It's just the maintenance cost. I mean, you know, it's it's crazy. Like I have to buy, you know, ten dollar filters for my HVAC system, like every three months or something. You know, we have to have a humidifier in the house. <laughs> there, there's so many extra expenses that come with home ownership that it's it's usually several hundred dollars extra per month to save up just for those maintenance items. That's not even including those remodels and stuff that you want to do you know I don't like the way the bathroom looks so I'm gonna have to spend several thousand dollars to get it remodeled and and all that kind of stuff then you've got the even bigger things like replacing a roof periodically or the washing machine dies after Mm -hmm. five years there's just so many other expenses that it's easy to overlook them it's easy to put Mm -hmm. those blinders on and say you know oh this is great I'm gonna be making money here it's just not that simple. Even if you're buying a new home, they're putting builder-grade types of materials in them that don't last as long. So you're going to have to replace a lot of those things pretty quickly, and you got to start saving for it. It's got to be a part of your monthly budget, and you've got to hold on to that money. Some people mm-hmm. will budget $200 a month for home maintenance, but then, you know, that money leaks out of your budget somewhere else. You spend it on something else. A couple of years later, when you should have been saving that $200 a month to replace the roof, it's it's gone. The money's not there, and you're taking on debt or Pulling from your emergency fund for something that's not an emergency and pulling from your vacation fund. That's not a, a path that you want to go down.
0: Yeah, I, I think there are a lot of joys with home ownership, but you have to understand how it works. You really have to look at the numbers. And part of the reason is like, where do you live? There are some fantastic calculators where you could see... With how fast rents are rising, I know in some areas, buying a home can definitely make a lot of sense if you're going to stay there. I think in our area, I ran the numbers on our house. So we're four, almost five years in, we're good. But for others, you may see that the maintenance, like you mentioned, all these home ownership costs, I I would be better off renting or saving and practicing. I, I think I was talking with Jim Wang one time and he was mentioning, if you're saving up for something, the best thing you could do is before you actually get it, practice like you already have it. If you're thinking of a mortgage, see how much you can save, set aside that that house maintenance fund. Can you have that discipline? Because then you've developed a habit that's going to be a huge help with buying a house.
1: Once yeah. you get into that you know, mindset of, once you kind of flip that switch on and you mm-hmm. say, I want to buy a house, sometimes it goes very, very quickly mm-hmm. and you don't have that ability to test the waters. You don't have the ability to, mm-hmm. to see if it works. And then you end up making a decision that you think is going to work for you. And after you buy the house several months down the road, you go, wow, this probably wasn't the best decision I made here. I'm having to cut back on a lot of things or my credit card debt's creeping up. And, Mm -hmm. you know, you find yourself in a bad position.
0: Definitely test the waters. And I do want to talk about this because this is bad advice that I hear over and over again, which is buy as much house as you can afford. I put, Quotes and afford, because we'll get into this a little bit later. When you talk with lenders, mortgage brokers, it's funny what they think you can afford. So can we just talk about how this is not a great strategy when you're buying a house?
1: Yeah, afford is definitely a key word there. Sometimes I also focus on the word you, too, mm-hmm. because what can you afford, not what somebody else thinks that you can afford. Because all those calculators out there on, especially when you get on the bank websites and the, the mortgage lenders and, and real estate agents and all those types of things, right? A lot of their home affordability types of calculators try to fit everybody in the same box. Mm-hmm. And not everybody's in the same box. You got to understand that the recommended percentages that many of those calculators use are based on how much they're willing to lend you. You are looked at as risk. Uh And how risky is it that you are not going to pay your mortgage? That's all as a lender, that's all we care about is whether you're going to be able to pay this or not, or we're going to be screwed later because you can't pay the mortgage. That's really all they're thinking about. They're not thinking about how much you want to have for a vacation every year. If you want to remodel that kitchen in five years or not if you want to send your kids to private k-12 through school if you want to have you know eight dogs in your house they have no idea if yeah. you want those types of things in your budget so it's important for you to define what's affordable to you based mm-hmm. on what your other financial goals are and there's yeah. you know, there's a lot of legwork that you need to do in the beginning to to figure that stuff out
0: yeah i, I think this is why it's so important even when we you know, bought our first house. I I thought that was low back then. Now it's almost ridiculous. People are encouraged like, oh my goodness, look how much you can afford. But one piece of advice is run the numbers yourselves. Like you mentioned what your personal goals are. Do you guys want to go on vacation? Down the line, are you going to put aside something for the kids for college if that's what you want to do? If you don't define that, those calculators will give you a misrepresentation of what you can afford. because. When we ran the numbers, Adam, I swear to you, it it was like twice the budget we had anticipated. And yeah, we could afford that, but we could not afford any single thing outside of that house.
1: Mm -hmm. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, that's the whole term of house poor, right? There's a lot of people like that. And there's a lot of people that will say it'll just be for a year or two because then I'm going to get that big raise or things will work out. You you know, I'll cut back on stuff. If you've been spending your money the the same way for several years and you've grown accustomed to some niceties and different Mm -hmm. things things like that, you may say, we're just going to cut back on those things so we can get in this house. Like that's a really hard thing to break. And it's a rarity that somebody can be that disciplined and actually do it That's where it's like, don't lie to yourself, right?
0: Yeah. And then the last one, and this was interesting because when I heard this, I don't know if this happens with anybody else, but when I heard this advice, it wasn't from a tax professional. (laughs) It was buy a house for the tax breaks. Could you kind of go through that? Are there any tax benefits to being a homeowner? If so, is that a big factor when you're making a decision to buy a home or the other things we talked about more important?
1: Yeah, before the Tax Cuts and Jobs Act, I think that's what it was called, that was passed in 2017, that went into effect in 2018, mm-hmm. the tax breaks were certainly somewhat better uh, than they are today. With the new tax law, the, the benefits of this have actually diminished quite a bit. So for your primary residence, you're able to deduct your mortgage interest. Sometimes you're able to deduct your private mortgage insurance if you have to pay that. And your real estate taxes as well. You can deduct those things. The first thing I'll say is it's a deduction, not a credit, which means that to get the deduction or to to save money on your taxes, you're going to spend a dollar in interest to maybe save twenty cents, twenty five cents, yeah. something like that. So you're still spending money. It's not like a complete wash. The government's going to give me all my interest that I paid back. Absolutely not. The second thing is kind of goes back to that hurdle that I mentioned where. People on their tax return get a standard deduction regardless of if they own a home or not. Mm-hmm. And with the new tax law in, in 2017, that standard deduction was increased immensely. So yeah. the benefits of home ownership or deducting that mortgage interest and in real estate taxes, it definitely is much lower now, especially for married individuals. Single individuals still have, if you file your taxes single, the the benefits of deducting mortgage interest and in real estate taxes is a little bit higher uh, than a married individual, but married couples, I don't know off the top of my head what the standard deduction is, but it's like 24800 something mm-hmm. like that. So you have to have more than $24,800 in interest, real estate taxes, and other types of itemized deductions for you to even benefit from that deduction. However, it's its only that first dollar then after that 24800 anyway, that's now going to benefit you because you again would have got the 24800 regardless of if you had mortgage interest or not. So the tax benefits just really are not there anymore mm-hmm. uh, in, in the grand scheme of things. It's going to be different for everyone. A lot of that's going to depend on where you're buying your house mm-hmm. you know, is it in a high cost of living area. If it is, you're going to have higher mortgage interest than somebody who lives in, you know, the countryside in, in Nebraska where homes are Less expensive, and you'll have a lower mortgage and lower mortgage interest.
0: Yeah, these are all different things to consider. We've talked about myths and a lot of it because I feel like if you just buy a home with these in the back of your mind, you're really setting yourself up for uh, disappointment and getting a home you really can't afford. But I want to switch it. Let's say a family, they've run the numbers, they've saved, they know that they do want to stay in this area for a while buying a home is on their list, what can they do now to start setting things up before they call and try to find a real estate agent, before they talk to lenders, what are some things they can do to kind of get those pieces in place?
1: You already alluded to figuring out what you can afford. I'll spend a little bit more time talking about that. You know, determining what you can afford is is a tough thing to do, right? Because again, you want to just lean on those calculators to tell you and you just can't do that. What I recommend clients do that come to me and talk about some of this stuff is i recommend that they back into what they can afford i have them kind of go through exercises to help them but what are your financial goals so outside of just wanting to buy a house what are your other financial goals how much do you want to have for a vacation every year do you want to start saving for your kids college education as you said earlier how much do you want to save for retirement thinking about those financial goals and then taking them and plugging them into a longer term budget in that longer term budget leave the housing section blank for now and then fill out that budget as you would want to see that budget, how you want to have your money available for things. Put that stuff in there. Once you've got those things in there, you can then kind of see, well, what's left over? And then what's left over is probably gonna help you define what you can afford for a house. There are other calculators out there where you can kind of say like, here's what I can afford as my payment. They can tell you then how much uh, house you're gonna be able to buy at whatever the the current interest rates are. You kind of have to back into it instead of looking at it on the surface. So that's a, a really important step to do is, is figure out what you can afford first. When you tell your real estate agent then and your mortgage broker what it is that you can afford, they're going to try to tell you that you can, oh, you can afford more than that or yeah. uh, those types of things. But you got to say, nope, nope, this is exactly what I can afford. You might have a, a comfortable number and a slightly uncomfortable number, and that's okay because you might need to be a little bit flexible, especially in a, in a hot market. You might have to put in a higher bid than... And maybe you're, you know, somewhat comfortable, you'd ideally like it at this number, but maybe you have a little bit of flexibility. So you want to know what those numbers are too. Again, avoid those phrases like, when I make more money, things will be better. You certainly want to determine what your down payment's going to be. At a minimum, I usually recommend at least 5% down. I live in a high cost of living area, as do you. So, you know, getting that, that 20% down, is a lot of books will say, or other websites will say, is pretty tough. I mean it's a pretty big hurdle to to do in a in a high cost of living area. So I usually recommend at least 5% down because that'll get you into a conventional mortgage. You'll probably mm-hmm. have to pay private mortgage insurance PMI, but that's at least the kind of first level that I would recommend somebody get at. You're also going to need another 2 to 3% for closing costs on top of that 5%. Yeah. So you got to make sure that you've got that money as well. You also want to make make sure you have a cash reserve for you know, your emergency fund, right? You don't want to dip into your emergency fund for this down payment and then go into homeownership without a, an emergency fund. That is a horrible idea uh, because there's just so many things that will pop up now. You're, you're much more likely to have some of those unexpected expenses that you need that emergency fund for. Those closing costs are big too. When it comes to like credit, you know, ideally you want to have a FICO score um, of 740 or higher. And that number can change from from year to year. It depends on what kind of market it is. So like back when the housing bubble burst in, in the late you know, like 2007, 2008, I think yeah. that threshold went up to 760 for a while. Okay. It's probably about 740 now to, to ensure that you're going to get the best interest rate that any kind of lender is going to offer. What you also need to know about credit scores is that the lender will look at all three of the credit bureaus. They'll actually look at the middle score for you to determine what your interest rate is. Oh, so if okay. you've got your three FICO scores, Equifax, TransUnion, and Experian, and one score is 740, the other one's 720, and the other one's 710, they're actually going to use the 720 to determine what your interest rate is. So you may not get the best interest rate in that example. You got to try to get that FICO score up as as best as you possibly can to get that best interest rate. Usually once you surpass a certain point, I mean, getting it any higher than that's not really going to benefit you in in terms of interest rates.
0: Yeah. I I do want to point out for those who watch this or listen to this, that it does take time. If you look at your credit report and you see an error, it doesn't unfortunately immediately go away when you contact the credit bureau. Sometimes there's back and forth. So definitely before you call your your mortgage lender or you start shopping around for real estate agents, set, set the pieces up. That way, and we'll kind of get into this, when you are in the middle of the the house hunt, that's one, taken care of, and two, your mind is focused on this step because sometimes I've seen people, they get so excited about you know these low rates and they could go up at any time that they're willing to go with the bad credit score and get the not so great rates. Now they're kind of stuck here. They're going to get not a bad home, but maybe they could have afforded a little bit more, maybe a house in a better condition, which in turn is less maintenance costs. A lot of this, you know, involves looking at the pieces together, what's best for your situation. But I do want to talk about this a little more. Fast forward. Everything looks good with the credit score. They got the down payment and they're with their agent. They talking with the mortgage lender and they're hunting for a house, Adam. And this happened to us. It can be overwhelming. We live in Raleigh and I've been here 12 years and it's definitely grown. Market has changed tremendously. And I was helping my mom buy a home in the area and everything was moving fast. It was a matter of days. A house was on a market and the house was sold. So how do you, one, deal with that? How do you keep the emotions in check? Because again, this is the biggest purchase typically a family makes.
1: Yeah, that is tough. And there's a lot of external pressures in those highly stressful situations of the market's fast, because then your real estate agent's going to be like, you got to put in an offer today, or mm-hmm. this thing's gone. You know, you got to put in probably 20,000 20, higher than what the asking price is. And you have a lot of those external pressures. And what you have to just kind of sit back and say is, You know, those people don't have my best interest in mind. They're just looking to make the sale, to make the commission, to get the mortgage set up for me because they're going to make money off of that. You have to take that step back and say, this is my decision and I need to make the best decision for me. You going out with your mom was, that's actually a great thing because anybody that's buying a home, I recommend that they have what I refer to as their level-headed friend. You have to have this level-headed friend to come with you to showings, to sit down with them before you go out there and say, this is what I can afford, hold me to it, right? We all have those friends too that are like, oh yeah, do it, do it, get that, this is a great house, you know, that's not the friend you want to take with you. You want to take that person that maybe you can probably tell from their, you know, Mm -hmm. how you see their life anyway, they're pretty reasonable in, in what they do and they make good decisions themselves as well. You have to have that level-headed friend to take with you to those showings, to hold your feet to the, you know, the the fire to say, no, you can't afford this. This is not in your price range or, you know, did you look at this over here? Mm -hmm. Because when we're buying a house, we are excited. Everybody's excited. I think people put a lot of blinders on, right? You've got these blinders on, you're going in and just looking at this house and you're saying, this is great. This is perfect. And that other level-headed friend might be able to say, did you see that crack on the wall outside and mm. the foundation or yeah. did you look at the neighbor's house they have barbed wire on their fence that seems a little odd don't you think um because most yeah. people are looking at that kind of stuff you know the, the dog that's barking down the street and it's always barking these are things that can be too late once you buy the house right you move in you're like wow that neighbor does have barbed wire on the fence i didn't notice that last time why are the police over there today you know yeah um, it's hard to see some of this stuff, and having that person be able to just keep you accountable is a big thing. You also want to have a wish list created, be prepared to not check all of the boxes because that will certainly happen. You're not going to get everything that you want in a home that you purchase. But are there some sacrifices you're willing to make? You know, what is like a 10, I absolutely need it, or a five? You know, I really want that, but. It's not that big of a deal or Mm -hmm. is it kind of like oh i really want open concept it was a big thing on home and garden television or whatever several years ago you know is it easy to you know just knock down a wall to get that open concept Mm -hmm. it's going to be not something that you need to have move in ready kind of thing so you know have that wish list ready to go and again be prepared not to check all of those boxes as you're looking at homes take a pen and paper with you take a measuring tape take your camera or cell phone you know, measure your bed before you go look at a house, and and take that measuring tape, and have a little piece of paper that says what the size of your bed is, and
0: yes, measure
1: out the the master <laughs> yeah bed, the master, bed and the master bedroom. I've seen some people have their beds, and they take them in, and then they're like, okay, this room is like all it is is bed. That's all it is right now, and because that was that's the master bedroom too. Yeah, uh, how's your stuff gonna fit in there? A lot of people will show homes too that are not staged they're, mm-hmm. they're still being lived in by the other individual and sometimes they might have really small furniture sometimes they might have huge humongous furniture and that humongous furniture makes the room look really small you feel like it's small then but it's really not if you put your furniture in there it probably wouldn't be you have to sometimes remove the clutter too when you're looking at somebody mm-hmm. you also want to be just be aware of other things too right not just the house itself the external components for the house you know like what was the commute like to get mm-hmm. to that place did you have to make strange u-turns or sit at a red light for 10 minutes even though the house was like right over there like i'm on a, a kind of a major highway here and there's a red light right out here i can see my house from that red light. Yeah. But, you know the red light takes five minutes it adds five minutes to your commute and it's stressful knowing that your house is right there you just <laughs> want to get there you have to to think about that too is there heavy traffic when you're looking at a house too, are there weird items in weird places? I think my brother and sister-in-law were looking to buy a home in, in Portland, Oregon uh, a couple years ago. He was uh, well aware of some of the, the things around the house. You notice this like big flower pot with no flower in it outside uh, of the house just kind of yeah. sitting. there. It's like, that's kind of random. Let me see what's behind that thing. And you move it and it's like... Oh my God, there's a crack in the foundation or, you know, there's oh, a- Oh, wow. Animals can get in there. You yeah. Know? It's just some some strange stuff that people will cover up because then they hope that you don't see it. They hope when you get an inspection later, if you decide to put an offer in, that, you know, that, that you're not going to notice those. Once you buy the house, what's your responsibility now? So you got to be aware in those fast markets, it's easy to- forget about those things, but you got to get some habits in place to make sure you're checking all the boxes as you go and look at some of these places. As you kind of said earlier with your mom, if it's not meant to be, it's just not meant to be. It might be a place that you can see yourself living in, but if if the things don't work out, if somebody else beats you to it and you're just not comfortable pulling the trigger on it, they might be making a mistake and they might regret that mistake later. You're not going to see it, but you might be be, be re- uh, regretting it yourself if you end up purchasing it
0: yeah there's so many different factors I know I feel great about the home she's in and it, it took a hunt but uh, like you mentioned, having your ideal budget and then what you can, you still can comfortably afford half that range was definitely helpful when we were looking at homes. I'm happy to say we don't call it the forever home, but this looks like this is going to be her retirement home. She wanted to be closer to the grandbabies, but she has something that she can comfortably afford. I know like we can go on and on for this. This is such a big topic and we've only scratched the surface. Adam, because of your experience as a financial planner, countless families, make good decisions, make bad decisions with their finances, and you know the ins and outs of what conversations they should be having and things they need to know. You actually have a course that focuses in on this. Do you mind talking a little bit more about this?
1: Sure, yeah. So I I have a course, it's Buying a Home from Contemplation to Closing, and the big thing that you need to know it's like over four hours of, of content and some of the things that we talked about today are, are a part of that course but you know a fraction of that course. Yeah. talk a lot about the types of mortgages that are out there what might be available what are the pros and cons of different mortgages benefits for first-time homebuyers if there are any uh, they're not you know everybody always thinks that oh first-time homebuyers I'm, I'm, I'm a first-time homebuyer i'm gonna save some money somebody's gonna give me some money because i'm a first-time homebuyer and that's just not that's not accurate Then the the weird things of looking at homes, what type of home do you want? All those types of things.
0: I love that. And I think that's a big hurdle for a lot of families. They feel like, oh, if I am seeking this unbiased advice from a financial planner, it's going to cost me an arm and a leg. First of all, I think if you're looking for a comprehensive thing, that is really an investment, someone who guides you. When you showed me these affordable courses just for the house alone. 20 bucks a month can save you thousands of dollars or in the case where you say you know what buying a house just right now is not the move for me you know that is priceless so definitely educating yourself especially with big purchases like this absolutely matters i will have links in the show notes to adam's course or if you just want to go now it's couplemoney.com buy a house This segment is brought to you by Coastal Credit Union. If you want to live better, you got to bank better. Find out how at bankbetter.org. We covered a lot of information today. So before we wrap up, I want to focus on a few key takeaways from preparing this episode. The first one is please run your own numbers. I want you to own a home and for it to feel like a blessing and not a burden. Finding an affordable place means that you're able to be a homeowner and still hit your other financial and family goals. The second is focus on what matters to you. I don't know how it happens, but when you announce that you're buying a house, there's a lot of advice that's thrown at you. Some of it is well-intentioned and good, but sometimes there are myths that keep getting passed on as a fact. So you wanna make sure that you've defined what kind of house that you want, why you want this house, and also again, that the numbers line up for you. Don't feel pressured to buy a house simply because you're supposed to be doing it or it's that time in your life that everyone else is buying a house. Instead, make sure this is a milestone that you wanna hit. Finally, as you probably have picked up based on what we've talked about, the more work that you put into it, the better the results. A lot of this is preparation, getting the pieces in play, and then the house hunt becomes a lot easier and a lot less stressful. Spending the time up front, getting your finances in place, defining your must-haves and having your wish list, and knowing which neighborhoods you would love to get a house can make this home buying process a lot more fun. There is so much to talk about when it comes to house hunting. So if you want to chat more, please join us in our free and private Facebook group, Thriving Families. We're all about helping and encouraging one another with our family and financial goals. We love to swap stories, ideas, and tips. We can tell you what worked for us, what didn't, and you can usually find someone in the vicinity or area you're in, which can be great for recommendations for things like real estate agents please head over to fb. We'd love to see you there. Special thanks to Adam for being a part of this episode. As always, I'll have links to the resources we mentioned in the show notes, including his course on buying a house, plus more over at simplifyandenjoy.com. We're wrapping up this 10 episode run next week before going on a quick spring break. But I'm already working on upcoming episodes for the season. So if you want to share your story, ask questions or throw out a topic for a future episode, please let me know. Just head over to simplifyandenjoy.com slash podcast. And next week on the podcast, we're talking about earning more money on the side so that you can hit your money goals for this year faster. So if you haven't already, make sure you're subscribed. You don't want to miss out on that episode. We're on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, basically whatever podcast app you prefer. Our theme song is from Staircases, additional music by various artists from audio. Finally, and most importantly, thank you so much for your support. I really appreciate it. I hope you have a wonderful week. Take care.